There's a great. So last week I talked about um, Saint Augustine of Hippo, who is one of the great theologians of the Western Church. And there's a story about him walking along a water's edge, uh, really struggling with the concept of the Trinity. And the story goes that he had a severe headache, but he felt like he was coming close to cracking it. And suddenly there was a small boy at his foot, at his feet. And so he asked the small boy what he was doing, and the little boy said. I am pouring the whole ocean into this little hole. And Augustine said, Well, that's nonsense. No one can do that. And the little boy replied, Neither can you, Bishop Augustine, unravel the mystery of the Trinity. And then the little boy disappeared. So maybe in light of that, we should abandon all further attempts to talk about the Trinity and leave it as a mystery. Or we could follow Augustine's example, who did not give up. He kept puzzling over the Trinity, and his book, as I said last week, on the Trinity, uh, took him a long time to write. And he wasn't the only one. Many theologians struggled and continue to struggle with the Trinity. But for all those early theologians, they weren't doing it just because they wanted to crack the code, just because they wanted to understand it. For them, it was at the heart of their pastoral ministry. They were bishops. And they were working with people often in incredibly stressful times. So Augustine, for example, lived at a time when the Western Roman Empire was failing. The world as they had known it was ceasing to be. During his lifetime, Rome fell to the Visigoths and Vandals. And while there was still an emperor in Rome, he became a puppet of the Germanic tribes. And while there was still an emperor in Constantinople, Byzantium, uh, and their power kind of, kind of sometimes was that far and sometimes wasn't, uh, the world as they had known it, the certainty that they had known, the maps that they had used to describe that world, both literally, geographically, but also um, just figuratively, no longer worked. Their world had changed radically. And so for people like Augustine, the Trinity was the way in which they found their, their place in that new world. It was the way that they worked out what the reign of God might look like in this new world. What it meant to be church in this new world. And how they were to live the reign of God in this new world. Well, we too live in very uncertain times. The maps that we have used for the last 100, 200 years to understand what it means to be church, how we understand our societies, those maps simply don't work anymore. And so maybe we too need to go back to our understanding of the Trinity so that we can think about those same ideas, so that we can reimagine what the reign of God looks like in our world and what it means to be church in our world and how we live out the reign of God in our lives. I said last week, that at the end of his book on the Trinity, Augustine described the Trinity as God the Lover, God the Beloved, and the God the Love Between. Not words that we heard in that little play. 
God the lover, God the beloved, God the love between. And you can actually see that all of his works, and there were a lot of works, uh, he wrote a lot, were him teasing out what it meant for God to be lover, beloved, and the love between. What that meant for church, what that meant for society, what that meant for individuals as they lived out a blessed life, as he described it. Well, we have lots of names that we give to the Trinity. We've already used a few this morning. Source of all being, eternal word, and Holy Spirit. We've talked about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, normally in the psalm, if we'd had a psalm, we would have talked about creator, word, and spirit. That play gave us a gazillion, a gazillion names for the Trinity. So the question then is, what words speak to us? What names? What is our theology of Trinity? Now, most of you are sitting there going, well, we're not theologians. We don't think about this kind of stuff. Every single one of us in this room is a theologian. We all do theology. Sometimes you pay attention to that theology, but you are always doing theology because you always have an understanding of who God is for you. And that's theology. So the invitation this morning is to maybe spend some time thinking about our theology of the Trinity. And there are going to be three ways you can do that. So this is the interactive part. So in here, with Bonnie, will be a music group. So she will teach you a song about Trinity. That's probably the easiest one, because you don't actually have to think, you just have to sing. So if you'd like to do that, the music group will be in here. Uh, around the table with the children, there will be, there's art supplies, and there's paper, and there's pens, and there's an opportunity, and there's some questions. There's an opportunity for you to think on your own about names of the Trinity, what names speak to you, what that might invite you to, how that invites you to imagine the reign of God in our world, what that might mean for you. And you could either do art, or you could write poetry, or just journal about that. So that's in here. And then in the lounge, hopefully somebody turned on the heater, uh, there'll be a discussion group, which Cliff is going to lead. And he has some great questions. Uh, and there'll be about 15 to 20 minutes to talk about the concepts of Trinity. Starting off with, what are the names of the Trinity in our prayer book? And there are quite a few used in our prayer book. So, music, creative stuff, discussion, three groups. If you go into the groups, you might want to take the discussion, you might want to take the prayer book with you, so you can refer to it if Cliff asks that question. All right, I will call you back in about 20 minutes. You get to choose where you go.